Hi, I'm Chris. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. Just wanted to talk to you a little bit before we go ahead with the podcast uh, to tell you a little bit about this uh, special format we have for you today. So it's actually three parts that we've put together talking about names in role-playing games. We've put them together for your convenience as podcast listeners, but just note that they were made as separate parts. The first one is the normal freeform discussion we have. The second one is more of a list, like a structure section on how to use them and how powerful names can be in your game. The third one is elements for your consideration to avoid common mistakes when naming place or location in your game. These sections could be listed separately, but we've put them together for your convenience. The result of that is that they each have value, but there will be some overlap between them. So I really hope you enjoy and let's roleplay chat. Today we talk about the power of names. Something a lot of people look over, but it has a significant impact on your game. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about names and the power they hold. So today we're going to be doing our usual thing where we just have a free-form conversation. We'll see where the conversation takes us. And hopefully by the end of this, we're going to have some nice takeaways about why names are important and things that you can do with names. Yes. So let's get into it. So when creating a name, what's the first thing you worry about, Matt? That's a, that's a surprisingly loaded question, Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to admit that when I am giving a name to a character, if it's a premeditated name, which I try to do as much as I can, mm -hmm. I find that I try to give the name some kind of hidden meaning. Uh, oh. I actually try, like, I'll translate a word into another language or I'll mm. do something like that to, to try and give the name a bit of like this flair that maybe the very attentive player can notice. It's not going to make or break. Julie noted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was someone actually, oh, I can't remember who said it on Twitter. Someone said my big villain's name was Trader McTraderson, <laughs> but like in German. <laughs> and so like the character, like the players never really caught on, but it, if they would have translated it, they would have seen it from a mile away. It's not to that extent, but I, I do like to give kind of like a, it's almost like an Easter egg, you know, mm -hmm. for most of my NPCs and, and characters. That's um, cool. Mostly I like the fact that you're using like languages to translate. And for me, what I what I think about that is you can actually choose which language goes to maybe if you're creating, creating a dwarf, it's going to be a specific language that's more... Uh, guttural or something like that, where with Yelvish you would use something a bit more Maybe musical. more romantic language. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so that that can actually go to what I worry about, which is consistency in the names. I like to have names that if you hear, you know, okay, this is probably a dwarf. Mm. This is probably a human. This is probably an elf. And I don't go with translation with languages, but I usually go with type of syllables, like words with K, 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 are mm -hmm. dwarvish, the Fs are more elvish. Cool. So I tend just to play with syllables, to be honest. The cardinal sin of naming something is you're not ready and you give a name that just breaks what you're trying to build. If I'm building dwarves with, with specific type of names and somebody asks and I just can come up with Bob, I'm breaking immersion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, there's the power of the good name just as there is the power of the bad name. And I mean, 
the number one tool is prepare a list of name before. That's what I do. Like last game, we were playing in a dwarf city. I just came up with, it literally took me a minute and I came up like with four names. Whenever I'm going to use it, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need dwarves. I know I'm not going to need new human. Mm-hmm. So I'm not even cons- like concerning myself with this. So at one point people came in, I had them ready. I look ready. I look prepared. <laughs> There's actually something that I've been using a lot lately is it's called the Gary Gygax Compendium of Names. And it's this PDF that I that I found online. It's hundreds of pages of names sorted by region, like in the world. Mm. So they'll have like very Italian names or very French names mm. or very, uh, I don't know, Australian names or, or Polynesian names or all, like everything. It's all categorized male, female, uh, nondescript, uh, last names, first names, you name it, it's there. It's you name it. useful. Yeah, no pun intended, actually. <laughs> so I think that covers what we worry about. When we yeah, I think the, the basics, right? The basics of it, yeah. Um, but I, I, when we had a conversation a little while ago, Chris, we had some pretty interesting ways to use names other than just to name people. Considerations, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Um, the one that I would like to focus on, mm-hmm. I think, is something that happened in our, one of our most recent games where we as players, we accomplished an interesting and difficult feat. And then at the end of it all, in addition to the treasures that we acquired, you gave us a title. Yeah, and we actually like stopped and spent, I don't know how long, probably too long. Like, (laughs) let's say, I don't know, seven minutes figuring out a name, a cool name, and everything was like, oh, this is not cool enough. This is, not... And we saw there the power of a good name. Uh-huh. If you just call like the Dwarf Friends, it's nice. But if you call like... Could be better. The Freer yeah. of Kings or like something that has like a lot of weight behind it, then you feel cool and you, you feel like you can actually like leverage this with other people later. And it's really, yeah, it's like this this reward, right? It's It was basically a reward, mm-hmm. a reputation that was associated with that name. And it also, I think, has this second layer to it, right? If, if you give a character or a group of characters a name, they kind of rally around it. They unite around it. And if you're having problems with team synergy, for instance, this could be an interesting way to address that. If all of the people in the party are now associated with this title, they kind of feel ownership of the group they feel like they belong in the group. So it, it not only do you reward them to be able to use that reputation elsewhere, but you help bond the characters together. Something that we're doing in our game, when we started playing in my pirate campaign, mm. I just gave you guys a name. Yeah. Right out of the gate, I said, you guys are part of the Wavebreaker and you are the Blue Crew. Kind of sounds like a silly name. And you guys have kind of turned the crew into a silly crew for, for your own pleasure, which is great. Um, but it's it, it right out of the gate, game one, everyone was on the same page, we're a crew. And also the effect is that even NPCs that are part of the crew, when something happens to them, they're in danger, we feel like we want to save them. Mm-hmm. It's not only some other guy, that NPC that I don't really care about, he's part of my crew. So even right now in the in any game you're playing, if you add NPCs part of this group, some maybe you don't want to do that, but if you do that, it actually creates this bond with an NPC pretty quickly. What about 
using nicknames. Have you used nicknames in the past? I use nick like <laughs> I've experienced nickname mostly negative negatively negatively. Okay. So if someone calls me boy in a game, it's like you boy, mm. and my character is maybe entitled to a higher level of respect, uh, using those kind of nickname can kind of be seen as an insult. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I think using nicknames are a good way to convey the relationship between two NPC, mm -hmm. uh, between NPC. So if you call it a oh, friend or human or something that or uh, the tall one or the blue one or just saying words like that have meaning behind them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually like that you went for the negative side because there's also a positive side. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can have an NPC reward again i guess the players with a positive nickname that demonstrate that this npc has a has a they value you they want to be in contact with you they're close to you you can also do this between party members <laughs> i have one character who calls every human small human even if they're not small he just calls them small human and, <laughs> and i mean i guess it's not really a nickname but as soon as he calls a human not that it's going to become important. Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, as you were talking, I was remembering that pretty much not all my dwarves, but a lot of my, like a lot of my dwarves actually have a nickname because in Warhammer in my system, I, if like the guy is called Umgrim Morgrimson, that could be also like Umgrim Green Crusher Morgrimson, and this mm. is usually because of an accomplishment or something that characterize characterized them, like Stone Fist. Yeah. or Iron Skin, or something like that. So these are nicknames, actually. Is everyone allowed to call him Green Crusher, in your example? Or is it, like, do you have to earn that honor to call someone that? No, you have to earn the honor of being called that. But after that, it's like a like doctor title. Like, okay, you have okay. to earn the title. Then after that, everybody ought to call you that, mm -hmm, if, if they mm -hmm. want to show respect. Because what might be interesting is, like, the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if, if a character has a name but only those who are close to them mm. are allowed to call them that that's interesting if there's a king and the king is named king theodore everyone should call them your highness or king or what have you but as soon as that npc tells a player no call me theodore i think that 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 creates this level of relationship so it's almost like oh let let go of all the the fanciness around my title and just call me by what my mother used to call me and this shows that we're we're close we have a close relationship so that's interesting mm -hmm. and and you can even push it further where the person doesn't tell their real name to a lot of people they just yeah. tell them to a selected amount of, of people it's like anybody that calls them that will be like no you're not calling me this this is for my friends yeah you're calling me mr t <laughs> <laughs> But that wasn't planned. That was. wasn't planned. But but <laughs> my but my my friends call me Theodore, right? Mister T. Mister T. I pity the fool. Um, yeah. Something maybe uh, we ought to talk about is the effect of not naming a character. Uh -huh. And by that, I don't really mean not naming. I mean the name is not Unknown. known to yeah. the the players. Yeah. Something that happened into uh, my game is that. I give a description of a, a basically a, a big villain. The villain's not going to be like, hello, my name is this, 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 right? So, and, and I didn't establish it mm -hmm. um, maybe as well as I should have. 
but I have a description of like big nails and and, and <coughs> bald hair and blah blah. And the the, re, the players really we fixated on those because it sounded like Wolverine claws yeah. or like Edward Scissorhand type claws. Yeah. So basically. For I want to say six months, we referred to this character as Edward Scissorhands, yeah. and, and and it, it was it, kind of to the detriment of the immersion that mm -hmm. you were trying to establish. Um, so that's that's I guess a warning to all of you <laughs> people out there: not naming a character, you risk that the players call them something silly. Yeah, this air of mystery might <laughs> might backfire. <laughs> might backfire. <laughs> And eventually, like, you found a journal, and it's, like, the Warp Lord. And people keep calling him Edward Scissorhand. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's the Warp Lord. It's the Warp <laughs> Lord. And I had, like, to beat it out of you. And now you're calling it mostly Warp I'm Lord. I'm happy. I'm going to call him that again now. Just to... <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that much. It's mostly for you guys, right, at the yeah, table. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I guess that's the, the effect of not naming someone. Something else that we have here is this concept of a false identity. Mm -hmm. So that could be something interesting to toy with. I, I know actually that in the past I've had NPCs who have false identities or who have these very secret identities. Um, my wife actually played a character in a previous game who was like this rogue, super sneaky, and who didn't give her real name to like anybody. And it was kind of a problem. But... <laughs> Yeah, but, and, and there's yeah. also like th that player who always have that idea of like I'm gonna give a different name to every people I meet, and then the game master has to remember <laughs> who knows what name. Yeah, be yeah. nice, don't do that. <laughs> so it's it's something. It I, I think it kind of goes back to this true name. It could generate a very interesting dramatic moment, right? If other player characters find out. What? That, that's not your name? Your name is actually Samantha, and all along we've been calling you, I don't know... Victoria? Yeah, I, I mean, that's maybe not the most dramatic <laughs> reveal in the whole wide world. But it, it could it could create some tension, especially mm -hmm. if they've been adventuring. Maybe together. most like the, the last name. You have a last name of a, a famous family, but you've changed it so you, people don't know. And then they learn that your last name is actually mm -hmm. the descendant of the king, and they're like... They're like, oh my god, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry, my highness, or whatever. Right? It might actually change the way they see the the, the the player, and that's when this reveal is actually interesting. Also, like, this false identity in my group, I, I had, like, a, a, a wizard who once... That, no, that wasn't you, that was no? uh, that was Chandra. Oh, yeah, okay, I thought you were talking about me hiding my wizard. But yes, can you go ahead, <laughs> it's not me, I feel deflated. <laughs> So, so he uh, his name is, was Novak, but at one point he met someone, and I think he kind of knew he was going to do something silly, so he tried a new name. He's like, I'm going to name Chandra. And um, what happened is that that person now knows, saw the wizard do something wrong mm -hmm. and knows it as Chandra, which means that if someone's looking for a wizard, he might not look for the right person. Uh, something else that's happening actually in one of my games is one of my characters, one of my players, doesn't have a real name for his character. And I mean, I'm not saying this badly. He has a nickname. He's, he calls himself Meat Hook. Because he has He's that. He's got a, a hook on his hand, and that's his name. Everybody knows him as that. And I'm pretty sure even the player doesn't know the name of Meat Hook, the true name of Meat Hook. So it actually presents this very interesting storytelling moment you know there's this hole in the character's background 
that we can work together and develop. Maybe his first name is, is a famous pirate's name and he doesn't want to be associated with that name. Or maybe he's ashamed of his last name because his father betrayed someone and now he, he doesn't want to be associated with it. So these are all things like it leaves a bunch of open doors for future NPCs, future events to be tied into this character. So sometimes a lack of a name can be an opportunity. Yeah, even to type characters at the background behind. Uh, we saw it in, uh, if you're watching Critical Role, Ford Stone much later in the story learned that there was some kind of possible relationship with Caduceus' story. So this can actually make things very interesting by adding layers. And that's most of what I had to say about names. Yeah, this is like, I mean, we had a freeform discussion yeah. here and I think, I think it's just to show that names can be, uh, can really add a lot, can be part of the storytelling, can be just the backdrop, but also can be a deal breaker, like not a deal breaker, but like a immersion, immersion breaker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where just with a little bit of effort, just prepping for a minute before every game, thinking about names can actually prevent a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah, and there are tools that exist. Do we want to quickly rifle off a couple of tools? Obviously, we have make a list. We've got the Gary Gygax book of names. Things like name generators. I'm not a big fan of them, but mm. uh, it's an option. Something I like to do is, uh, I think I got that from someone else, and it was basically take a real name, something mm -hmm. like Kevin, and then start playing with vowels and and consonants consonants uh and that way like kevin becomes kovan oh that sounds more fantastic but still is believable that, that that's kind of the way i come up with names pretty quickly that's all about names for now next week we're gonna do a condensed version of this where we rifle off you know things to consider tips to consider about names so that you can have better names in your game if that's something you care about. Uh, otherwise, between now and then, feel free to reach out to us. You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. That's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email. That's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. That's it for names. Right, Chris? Right, Matt. Let's call it a chat. So you walk inside from the cold, rainy weather into the bar. You find a few patrons, there's a bartender behind the desk. Uh, what do you do? Uh, what's your name, bartender? My name is uh, Rickard Molson. Did, did you just look at the brands of the beers right there? Yeah, I did. Shame. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about the hidden potential of names. We're going to give you eight uses for names that we've discovered that we think you need to be aware of. So let's get right into it. So the first thing is you might want to use names and titles as reward or consequences for the success or failure of certain missions. Having a really cool title like Defender of the Realm is a really neat way to give your players an added bonus that can follow them as they continue in the adventure in the campaign. We know certain examples of consequences like Jamie Lannister in Game of Thrones, mm. who's called the King Slayer. Another way to use names in an interesting way is to think about 
how your NPCs use nicknames. If an NPC refers to another player character as boy or bud or something kind of negative, pejorative maybe, it could create an interesting dynamic where you immediately can tell that this NPC is treating your character a certain way or, or your player's character a certain way. Or it can be positive. It could be like to show that you're closer. If an NPC gets close to a player character, they can say, oh, you know, my friends call me Todd instead of Theodore. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it's kind of like this neat uh, dimension. It's also a bit of a reward, right? Like now you get to call this character this name. Kind of the reverse of this for the next uh, kind of things to consider is the, the concept of true name. So let's say uh, you've been talking to someone, you only know their maybe their first name or their nickname, mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. come to you and they say, actually, I'm part of the family of the Winchesters. And the Winchesters are actually a big noble family. And you through that, you learn that this guy's a noble and you learn it's, it has a whole new dimension. So the mention that the true name could actually be told in confidence to a player or NPC. Something actually, you know you think too much about role-playing games <laughs> when on a Friday night, you and your buddy are going to an orchestra to watch the Lord of the Rings and they had, it was really cool actually. Thanks for the invite. Uh, <laughs> and you know the scene in the Two Towers where Frodo is talking to Gollum and he says, oh, I, I've heard about you. Isn't your name Schmeagol? And, and Gollum's eyes open wide and he, he has this internal revelation. Yes, that is me. That, that is who I was. And a new dimension to that character just pops, really pops. Well, that couldn't have happened without his true name. So if you can kind of replicate a scenario like that, it, it adds all these dimensions and this, this flavor to the world, to the characters, to the relationships between the characters. Yes. And true name can also be used kind of in a very different way. Like we think about demons in certain lore, when you know the true name of a demon, you can actually control the demon. So something like that would be like almost a quest to get the true name of this creature. And kind of, and, and it could be for other NPC, it could be just finding dirt, finding the true name. We, we don't know who the, the, the person that calls himself the Baron, who's the Baron, what's their true name? Once I found the true name, I can actually go in the criminal underground and yeah. break his cover. And reveal who mm -hmm. they are to everybody else. Yeah, that's really cool. Something that your players might also do with names, or you might want to encourage them to do, is to use false names. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when a character doesn't want their reputation to be at stake, they might call themselves something else. They might refer to themselves as something else. But in doing so, they might not get the benefits of the other things we talked about. They might not get the rewards because guess what? Nobody's gonna know who Bob the Slayer was, if that's not your real name, they're gonna, and then there's gonna be songs and things about that character when, when really it was you. But anyway, um, so that, that could be something you can think about, like having these false identities, false names. And on the opposite, if you're the game master, uh, using false identity can actually throw the players off the trail of some, some important NPCs. Mm -hmm because they're trying to figure out and they have different names, like three or four different names. And they're like, oh man, there's something connecting them, but it's actually all the same person. Maybe. Yeah, that could be really neat. Give it a shot, <laughs> see, see if it works out. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that you can do with names, and now we're gonna segue a little bit towards, um, towards the names of a group again, so mm -hmm. instead of the name of a person, but you can actually use names 
as for groups to create a bond, to create team synergy. I ran a Twitter poll, I want to say a month or so ago, asking asking the community, does your adventuring party have a nickname or, or a party name? And only about half of you guys said that you did. And I was surprised, actually, mm -hmm. because especially because a lot of people that said that they did was because they were doing it for an actual play podcast where they had to have a name. Mm -hmm. But if you're adventuring with your friends, you know, every Saturday night or every, every other Friday night, it's good to have a name because it means that there's a reason for everyone to stick together. It creates this baseline of even if there's dramatic moments between two characters, there's tension between two characters. At the end of the day, we're all members of the Ordo Fidelis. We're all on this crew together. We're all part of the Wave Breakers. And we, at the end of the day, serve that ultimate purpose. And it gives a lot of, like, consequence. If someone is goofing around and, and acting inappropriately in front of uh, someone else, but they know they're part of this group, the other one, like, the, that character will be um, accountable accountable yeah. to the rest of the team. So it'd be like, no, you're part of the Ordo Fidelis. We don't act like this. So that's one thing. And also it adds continuity. Continuity. I, my mouth is not working today. Continuity? Continuity. This thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the sense that uh, if someone leaves the party, dies or something, and you, play, you, you get another character even if you're the same player, joining this mm. crew or this group, you're right away, right back in, in the favors of everybody else. Yeah, that, that's true. That's really good. And I mean, team, team unity is something that I, as a game master and as a player, worry a lot about. Because I do like to have those dramatic moments, but I worry about things like character betrayal. Obviously, they can still happen, and this we should a whole episode on character betrayal. But I, I think that having that layer of team unity, or having a team name, generates team unity, which makes character betrayal a little bit easier to see coming and a little bit easier to integrate into the story in a natural and safe way. The next point we're going to talk about is the effect of not naming someone. If you're not going to name one of the characters, there's a good chance your players are going to do it for you. <laughs> yeah, and they're probably going to do it in a way that's not consistent with the universe you're trying to set. So... <laughs> So make sure that you keep that in mind because I, I know that one of the reasons people choose not to name something is to create an element of mystery and surprise and, and create this mood of ooh, who is the who is the big bad guy. But if they see a you know a picture of the big bad guy with a funny looking hat, they might call him Fedora Man for the rest <laughs> of the adventure. And now your bad guy who's doing terrible things to the world is forever known as Fedora Man, and there's no going back from that. Another thing that you can use names for is to create this sense of geographic similarity. In, in Warhammer, for example, there's a Bretonian segment of the map, and that's kind of like the French equivalent. So names like Richard or um, François, Beauvalon for last name and stuff like this. So there, and when you hear that name, you hear someone called François, you're like, oh, he's Bretonian. He's not going to come from Kislev. So it really gives you as a game master this additional tool for exposition and for lore, right? You can call a character something and just by calling them that, it, it immediately tells or, or gives the attentive player 
an extra tidbit of information. This is where they're from. These are the, this is the kind of food they ate. This is the kind of way that this kind of character might act to certain historic events, etc., etc. And give them maybe things about religion. Like, oh, you're from Bretonia. Your religion is the Lady of the Lake or something like that. But it adds a whole new dimension just, just by giving him a specific name or figuring out some kind of consistency in the way you, you use them. So something that we can kind of play off of with this last tip is using names and rank as an advantage or a disadvantage for players. If a player has a rank, let's say they're a, a leader of a, guard, of, of a guard corps, well, they can use that rank to make NPCs do things, maybe things that they wouldn't otherwise do, or maybe even ask for supplies from that group. But there's also a negative side to this, isn't there, Chris? Yes, if uh, you're interacting with NPCs that have a higher rank than you, maybe some, a general or maybe just a high noble, uh, you coming there, and even if you have achieved a lot of things and saying, well, I want you to do this for me, they're going to be like, who are you? I have rank over you. Yeah, I have authority. You're, you. you're not telling me what to do. I'm telling you what to do. And that can be a neat obstacle to like someone to go around and it gives them, them information and they can maybe use that rank against them. And there's a whole new dimension that can be added by using rank. And, and also there's the etiquette of, mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. all the, how, how am I addressing that person? And then you can have... The specifics. pros and cons of calling them a certain thing yeah. could also be entered into the... I mean, in, in the fourth edition of Warhammer, there was a skill called etiquette. Yeah. Uh, Even diplomacy, the diplomacy skill, mm -hmm. which I don't think exists anymore in Dungeons & Dragons, but um, it, that, that, that falls into that as well. Mm -hmm. So I hope you guys enjoyed these eight things about names. I hope the, that you can take from them and integrate them into your games as a game master to add a little bit of extra flavor and depth to your game. And next week, we're going to talk about a little bit more about names and how we can build them and things to be careful on, on, on when you actually use names in your games. So this was the hidden potential of it, but the actual naming, naming mm -hmm. conventions and stuff like that, we're going to go in depth uh, next week. So if you guys have any questions about names or things that you want to tell us uh, that maybe we forgot to talk about other hidden gems that you want to share, please comment below or send us a, send us a message on Twitter. You can do so by contacting us at role underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. That is half of what we have to say about names, <laughs> isn't it, Chris? It is, Matt. Let's call it a chat. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We're two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. Careful when naming your characters. <laughs> Settle down, Chris. <laughs> We're going to give you guys some strategies to make sure that when you give names, you don't make mistakes doing so. Uh, there's a lot of things you can screw up, so let's get right into it. Yes. So the first thing is making a name that's simple enough and easy to remember. Nebuchadnezzar, Roi de Babylon. What? Is not... Super easy to rem remember or say. Names like Dritzt. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Uh -huh. I've been in the Warhammer universe for a long time. Zich, Zench. I don't know, it's a Chaos God. I, I, that's it, a name, right? That's a name, but I mean... So making them easy to pronounce, easy to remember, easy to write down is definitely something you want to consider. Things, even in the real world, there are so many names that are so complicated that it, it takes people away from what they're trying to experience. So make them easy. Make them simple. Yeah, so it can be used properly. Like, mm -hmm, complicated mm -hmm. name could be a good thing for a demon or like, but to use sparingly for sure. 
I mean, there's really, there's a reason why there's so many places called Winter something. You know, Winterfell, Winterhelm, Winterhold. These are all names of places in like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, uh, Skyrim universe, mm -hmm. uh, Elder Scrolls universe rather. So they're easy to say because there's words in there that people are familiar with in those regions. So you know your region better than anybody else. Pick words that your players are going to be able to latch onto to pronounce or to, to remember a location's name or a person's name. And please, be careful about naming the same the, two things very similarly. A good example in Critical Role is uh, Vax and Vex, brothers and sisters, and they, they, keep, they keep mixing up. Even the characters are someone sometimes calling the wrong name, and so, so be careful. Another example of this in popular culture is in Game of Thrones. Asha Greyjoy in the books is named Asha Greyjoy, so the sister of Theon Greyjoy. But because it's way too similar to Osha, the wildling, they decided for the TV series to call her Yara instead. I mean, it's still not too dissimilar, but it's a good thing to notice. Like, if you're going to have a lot of different characters that are important, you want them to be distinct. If they're too similar, people are going to get confused. I'm already confused just talking about it. So let's go on to the next thing. <laughs> Another thing to consider is consistency. So if when naming, it's good to maybe have some kind of a rule that dictates uh, maybe a suffix and prefix on certain types of locations. I mean, it happens in real life, right? Even if you look up, we found a pretty cool, quickly looking it up, we found a cool uh, table of prefixes that you can use. Some of the ones that are for like Old English, Old Norse mm. city names. I got a list here. So things like Berg meaning hill or Firth meaning wood or uh, Minster meaning large church or abbey. So like Westminster for instance. Uh, or even Stead for like an enclosure or a fort. So these are names, these are things you can add like Homestead, Hampstead could be names of places and it, it gives a little bit of extra context. It gives a little bit of extra uh, flavor and consistency for a region in your world. And that's kind of what we were seeing before, like winter helm, winter hold. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, yeah, it's cold and it's a hold. Like, and it, and it has function, trade sport, uh, King's Landing. They, 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 just by saying it, you kind of know what it's about. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Or even new something like New York. If mm -hmm. you're if you're exploring in a new world, it could be something interesting to to consider. So we'll try to link that up maybe in the comments section or not the comments in the, the description down below. Same thing, for those of you listening in podcast, we'll put it in the show notes and you can uh, click that and maybe inspire yourselves with that. Great. And the last thing is consider hitting meaning. Mm. Consider having something hidden in the names, and that can actually help you. Uh, have ideas to name because that's that's a big problem and obviously we kind of like we didn't mention it but the, an obvious thing is to have a list of name when you're gonna run but these are the thing you need to consider while making that list of name yeah so maybe you can take. talk a little bit about uh the hidden meaning be behind names before that i'm gonna give you guys my hot take and it's that i hate randomly generated names you can tell me in the comment section down below why you think i'm wrong <laughs> but <laughs> that was my clickbait for today um but yes, hidden meaning behind names is something that I do a lot in my games. Uh, I try to make these geographic regions that have similar naming conventions like we've been talking about, and I usually base them off of real-world languages. So one part, of one, of the, uh, one part of the regions that we're playing in right now, uh, a lot of the characters have very uh, Italian romantic type names. So they have A's, they end in A's or O's, and there's a... Uh, 
a little bit of that flourish, the rolling R's and that kind of thing. So that gives me a consistent universe to work in. And then I can actually just go and translate things. So if I want to, if one character is associated to a group that always dresses a certain way, maybe I'll call him, you know, Doro. Like he's the, the main villain in our game. His name is Doro. And that in Italian, it means gold mm. because he wears gold plate mail. So nice. like it, 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 it's this... Hidden, little hidden meaning that maybe some people will pick up on. Maybe, honestly, I'm doing it mainly for myself so that it's easier on me. But even if you don't notice it, it adds a flavor that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, in in my game, I'm running in the warmer universe, and there are a lot of German names. I don't know any German, but I'm using the maps and the location that I've already defined. But one of my new players know a little bit of German. So oh. sometimes I would say something like... Uh, I don't know, Schlage, or, and then he's going to be like, oh, this is a river. I'm like, how do you know this? Or this is a this is a port, because he knows the name in port, or there's a castle there, and I'm just giving him names, and I don't even know it. Um, so I'm giving information without knowing it. But, uh, yeah, stuff like that is very interesting, and it adds flavor. It can go, again, with the ge geographic uh, conventions, and there's hidden meaning, so you tackle a lot of different things at the same time. So that's everything we have. These are the kinds of mistakes we hope you can avoid. Make them easy to say, easy to remember. Avoid cons you know names that are too similar and too confusing. Make sure that you're trying to make them consistent because if they're inconsistent, it ruins the immersion. And give them a little bit of meaning. Add this flavor, add this geographic meaning and consistency, and you're probably going to get a whole lot more out of your names. But there's also things you can do to you know really pull out the hidden potential of names. So you can click the video that we filmed last week. Give it a shot. Give it a listen. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, we're probably going to smoosh these together anyway. If you have other things you want to talk to us about, you can always reach out to us. You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. That's at roll underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. Feel free to also comment down below if you have things about names that uh, you wanted to bring forward. Click like, click subscribe, and click the bell icon if you enjoy our content. And we hope to talk to you guys again soon. That's everything for names, isn't it, Chris? It is, Matt. Let's call it a chat.